my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, this is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. If you'd like uh, to make a comment today, if you've got some questions that you would like answered, you can text me at 0438 066635. That's 0438 066635. And we'll do our best to add you to our program. Our theme for the week, Truth in the Age of Fake News. Our big questions each day, can truth exist in an age of fake news, we're dealing with that one today. How do the scriptures speak of end time religion? We're going to move to that one tomorrow. On Wednesday, we're going to look at don't all religions lead to the same end? On Thursday, we ask, isn't it arrogant to say Jesus is the only way? And finally, on Friday, we're going to ask, oh, what does just Jesus really mean. Our co-host today is Pastor Joseph Matichik. Joseph's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And Joseph, welcome aboard. It's great to have you with us. It's great to be here again. What have you been doing over the weekend? Oh, on the weekend, Gary. Well, on uh, on Saturday, I um, I actually preached. Um, yeah, and was involved with um, with the worship program that was actually uh, probably also broadcast on Faith FM on Saturday morning. Yeah, I actually really appreciate. I actually went on to that uh, in the in the evening just to have a look and see that particular program. Really appreciated your message there, Joseph. I'm really interested. Um, you're a, a minister of the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Now that means that you've for for a number of years you've you've kept a biblical Sabbath. Now that's correct. Uh, tell me something, Joseph. Have you always kept the seventh day of the week as a Sabbath? Yes, I have. Yep, yeah. I was uh, fortunate that uh, my parents were, uh, yeah, Christians, committed Christians, Seventh-day Adventists, and uh, I was brought up to to keep the Sabbath. And so, as long as I can remember, yes, I um, I, was, I was brought up to to do that and and have ever since. Um, How do you find actually having a Sabbath? I mean, I mean, isn't it hard? To uh, to put aside you know a whole pile of of work uh, one day a week and not and not do so much. I've I've grown to appreciate it more and more, Gary. To be really honest, yeah. um, and um, come come the end of uh, well, yeah, particularly a, a Friday, and uh, because uh, for us we uh, for, uh, it begins with uh, sundown, sunset on Friday, Gary, and um, and then through to to Saturday sunset. I must say, in more recent times, come Friday evening, um, it, it actually gives me a, a real uh, a real reason to stop, uh, to put things aside, and to actually, as I say, to actually stop and to pause and um, yeah without the Sabbath I, I really probably wouldn't do that I'd, I'd just keep on going there's always things to do there's always things out there there's, yeah. there's always something there vying for our attention uh, and um, yeah uh, yeah true as, as a as a young person sometimes as a kid I can remember it was there was a few challenges because uh, yeah kids kind of want to be active and, and, and whatever else but uh, 
look, it was still a great opportunity. I would often hang out with friends. Uh, there, there'd be church. There, there would be um, it's that relation- family time. There, there, lots of things. It's yeah. that relational element. They're so fantastic, isn't it? I, I will remember my my times at, uh, at at college, you know, because you'd have a, a fast-paced wor- uh, work week. You'd yes. have, it'd be going non-stop all week. And then finally this one day of a week, you could actually uh, put aside all your study, That's all right. the books. Without feeling guilty. Without feeling guilty. That's right. And, uh, and you could just spend time with in relationship with those who you were uh, were studying with. That's right. Yeah, it, it's it's a great time to spend with those that are really significant in our lives, and it's it's amazing, Gary, that um, we can put things aside. You know, pretty much, we, we yeah, we can pause all things, and. Guess what? The world still goes on. It, 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 it's going to be there come, come at the end of Sabbath. It, it, you know, we don't have to stress about it. it, it we can just, just leave it be. And so, yeah, for me, Gary, it's been a real blessing uh, for us as a family. Uh, yeah, we, we really look forward to it now. And uh, it, it really gives us time when we actually can spend more relaxed together. Now, you know, as a family, you, you, you catch up, you, you have meals and whatever else during the week. But it, it's, it's not the same, Gary. It's just yeah. not quite the same. Yeah. Even, even doing things together or going place is not quite the same because the, the Sabbath, there's there's something extra special about it that, that just brings us together, slows us down. Uh, we spend time together. Uh, of course, uh, for us and for myself, it's 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 very much often been time to go into um, uh, to church, uh, preach, uh, fellowship, t- day of worship for us. Uh, mm. So that, that adds just a, an, a whole extra uh, element to it of, of blessing and enrichment to the day. Yeah, I know when I've been talking to people about the Sabbath, uh, so many times they've said to me, you know, what is this Sabbath day? And uh, to me, I, I've simply said to them, hey, it for me it is relationship with uh, the the God of Heaven. Yes, but it's also relationship with my with my friends and my family. And relationship has got so much to do with the Sabbath. And you know, the world in which we're living today, the fast paced world in which we're living, I'm just so conscious of how much we actually need the Sabbath. There've certainly been some people who have said to me, "Hey, you know, it's a very it's, it must be a really works based thing. You know, you've got to keep a full Sabbath." And I, I've said to them, "Hey, look, you know, if taking a day off every week is works based, then please bring it on. I I, I love." This. Yeah, well, there's the irony, Gary, that with, with the, all our technology nowadays that's meant to save us time, we're still time poor. That's yeah, the crazy yeah, thing. Yeah. And we have all these gadgets, all this ability to be able to do things more things or so supposedly quicker and yet we are we are still stressed out as, as a society and uh, the Sabbath is one of the best best antidotes to that, uh, that that God has given to us. Well, he gave it to us right from the beginning of time and I think last week we actually t- touched a little bit on that when we looked at uh, right in the very beginning with, with, with creation account and mm. what, what God you know, did when he created this world. Mm. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. In fact, let's come to that one, Joseph, because last week we did actually talk about the environment and we talked about the re- incredible need to actually see a change in the human heart if in fact we were going to positively impact mm. the environment we we looked at how it's really impossible for politics and policy to change the human heart and that the deficiency in improving the environment is actually the human heart more than anything else just um, uh, just uh, just yesterday I stumbled across a, an article written by a professor of theology in uh, in Africa and uh, the article was entitled social justice because this is another one of those areas it's it's closely related to the issue of the environment 
But he says social justice is not the same as biblical justice. Now, uh, let me share with you a few bits and pieces out of this article. Dr. Vodi Abucham uh, serves as Dean of Theology at the African Christian University in Lusaka, Zambia. He recently addressed the issue of social justice. Now, of course, social justice, by definition, is the increasingly popular concept that all people should have equal access to wealth, activity and social privilege. He, he noted that scripture must be the source that we use to understand this truth and how we look at the world. He started then by talking about racism, which is very topical in the world in which we're living today. This is what he says. When speaking about racism, it's been interesting to watch scenes of white people literally kneeling and bowing and genuflecting and in repentance, you know, over their sin of white privilege or, you know, bias or conscious bias or unconscious bias. Or whatever else he added. Ultimately, this is religion, but that's not promising salvation. It's some, it's coming from somewhere other than God. Unfortunately, there are many Christians who are sounds like they are satisfied with this. Butcham also drew a fine line between what Christians think of social justice and biblical justice i found this really in really significant that he's drawing a very clear line between social justice and biblical justice it's to me it's incredibly challenging because many churches today have actually picked up on social justice he said social justice is about redistributing resources and opportunities social justice is not the same he says as the biblical idea and the biblical concept of justice this, and then he said said this one worldview says that racism is an individual matter. It's an individual heart issue. And that's the world where we deal with the individual heart issue with the message of the gospel. He's saying that in so many issues, it's changing the human heart that is so important to impacting these significant matters. Bircham asserted, but then there's another worldview that says, no, 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 regardless of the individual heart issue, let's deal with this with structural, political and institutional adjustment. You know, to me, when he said that, it really, I really started to reflect on the things we've been talking about last week. Joseph, just uh, tell us what's your thinking on uh, thinking on this particular? Is this trend in our contemporary world uh, leading uh, leading multitudes away from the from the scriptural teaching? Gary, I believe you certainly can. Absolutely, um, you see, uh, th- there's there's this thing where where, where where people, um, in a sense, can kind of jump on a bit of a bandwagon, and, and this article here sort of touches on this about, about people kneeling. And I'm, I'm just aware, of, for instance, uh, even even across Australia, as as um, 
professional sport competitions have resumed. I think of the Australian Football League, the AFL, yeah. um, before matches uh, around or so ago. Um, all these football players w- were kneeling, Gary. Yeah. Um, and so, and that was sort of a, a direct uh, result of what had been taking place over the United States with uh, with with the racial unrest over there. And so, yeah, it, it's it's something that very quickly people can come on board and. Um, and it sounds, Gary. It sounds like, well, this 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 is the right thing. This is what we should all be, you know, as a movement, be involved in. And people, we should be out there. We should be marching against this kind of thing. Um, yet, um, yeah, there's an important distinction, and and I really appreciate you highlighting this because uh, uh, it's not a matter of just uh, dealing with uh, structures or uh, the external systems that that that, are, that exist or uh, political processes, because uh, Gary, structures are not the same as individual uh, choices. Individual mm. attitudes, yeah. uh, in, uh, structure, or an uh, in, in institution, uh, an organisation, uh, a, a political uh, view, or, or a, a, any of those uh, systems that are in place, do not equate necessarily, uh, and sometimes not at all, to individual changes of heart. Mm. This this is so significant, isn't it? Because what we actually uh, actually find is it's possible to try to um, institutionalize change, but genuine change actually only happens when the human heart is changed. You know, to me, That's the right. thing that I think is really significant is that in the New Testament we actually have slavery was a common thing mm. in the New Testament, and yet we never find Christ. Speaking against slavery. Yeah, he's not out there uh, trying to abolish it or advocating against it. Uh, rather, he doesn't support it. No. And he he teaches about how how slaves and how individuals should actually act and react and 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 so and and even how slaves should be treated and uh, we find it certainly even through the Old Testament, Gary, how uh, God was fairly clear with His people and how they were to treat slaves. Um, so uh, same with the Apostle Paul. You know, we we have um, we have him writing to uh, to Philemon, you know, for example, and so so we have a clear example there of them not uh, not endeavouring to. Uh, revolutionize the uh, the social structure, so to speak, to 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 change it. But they they're addressing the heart of the matter. In other words, what they're doing is that they are impacting the human heart with the gospel. That's it. When the gospel impacts the human heart, then what you find is that change starts to occur. Yes. And what we find, for example, um, I think of William Wilberforce in uh, um, uh, and John Newton, mm. uh, both um, Chris. Christian ministers who politically changed the system, but it was only after there were sufficient hearts that were actually changed to allow the system to actually change. And they, of course, supported the abolition of slavery. Mm. And to me, I think... John Newton is probably one of the best examples. You know, he he wrote a fantastic hymn. Yeah. We still sing it today. What's yeah. the what's the hymn? Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace. Yeah. And you it's know, it's a classic. Absolutely. It's yeah. A slave renowned. ship. Yeah. A slave ship captain. Yep. 
is actually converted yeah. and as a result of him being converted what we find is he lays aside slavery and campaigns against it but it only happens after his human heart has been changed that's it and that's the core issue that, yeah. that, that's that's the core issue yeah. and, and the bible addresses that and uh, same as with our issue last week it, it comes down to the individual heart it's not political structures that can that changes people um, it's the power of the gospel gary that changes individual hearts yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it, it's a power it's a powerful thought. Let's come to uh, Fountain View Academy. This is a marvelous hymn of the Christian faith, Higher Ground.
That was uh, that was Fountain View Academy Orchestra and Singers Higher Ground. That's a marvellous uh, group. Uh, if you go on online, you can certainly pick them up, and uh, they've contemporised a number of the older hymns of the of, of the Christian faith. You'll love that particular group. Please uh, go and uh, go and seek them seek them out. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor Joseph Matichik. Joseph's the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And our big question for today, can truth exist in an age of fake news? It was, uh, it was written uh, in the aftermath of World War II. George L. Orwell's famous novel, 1984, it paints a frightening vision of the future. The world in 1984, according to Orwell, is in constant state of war. Oceania, the superstate where the protagonist, uh, Winston Smith, lives, is controlled by a party with a near omnipresent, near omnipresent and possibly imaginary Big Brother at its helm. Where have you heard Big Brother before? Double think and double speak. In 1984, the government, through its Ministry of Truth, makes use of language not to communicate but to confuse, not to inform but to mislead. The Ministry of Truth itself is a form of doublespeak. It's actually a vehicle for outright lies and historical revisionism. People are tortured in the Ministry of Love and war is waged in the Ministry of Peace. In 1984, even old newspapers are subject to revision, and since people have no other source of information, the past is readily revised. Then there's the surveillance. The telescreens in 1984 are TV screens that double as security cameras monitored by the state's fearsome thought police. Telescreens allow the state to monitor and punish the dissent even at the personal level. Hence the warning, Big Brother is watching you. Have you heard that (laughs) anywhere today? Is this starting to sound a little familiar? The novel ends with a bleak picture of Winston Smith being tortured in the Ministry of Love and emerging as a fully indoctrinated subject who loved Big Brother and believed that two plus two equaled five. The total subjugation of truth enables and is enabled by totalitarian's power. Our calling today is to stand up for truth, to fight against historical revisionism, even in its most insidious forms, to call out the alternative facts for what they are in ways that the majority uh, will understand. Do you know, as I, uh, as I was uh, uh, reading, reading that, uh, so many people have said, hey, maybe uh, 1984, George Orwell's book, was a little bit, more than a little bit, before its time. You know, Joseph, uh, some people would see Orwell as a bit of a, I suppose, a prophet in some ways. You know, can truth exist in the age of fake news? Because that's the age we're living in. Mm. Yeah, we are, Gary. And it's a, it's a fascinating, fascinating topic, this, because, um, 
nowadays we have access to to news. You say fake news there, but information in general, Gary, at at the at our fingertips, so accessible, so easily available, and and so much information. The, the, the internet is such a source of information and of all sorts of information. It's really mm. like an ocean trying to trying to wade through an ocean and discover uh, really what, what what is the truth. And uh, uh, look, it, it, you know, we'll, we'll get into scripture in just a moment. But just just on that, Gary, I mean, it, I think of. Uh, the way it's just completely shaped our, our, our world. My, my two daughters, when they do research, Gary, the first thing they do when they're looking up a topic, anything, bef- without thinking, they're, they're on their computer, they're into Google, typing in the question that they're trying to find out. And I'm thinking, hang on, I met a girl. Just, just, you know, why is that your... But wait, wait a minute, I was at school when I was... Now, this is really going to date me. There was a mad rush to the library because you knew that there was a limited number of books there on right. this particular subject. And if you didn't grab one of those books early, you were going to miss out totally and you'd have to wait at the end of the queue. That's right, that's right. And and, and books were, were very valuable, very important because uh, b- b- there was effort to, to write the books. And I guess particularly something like an encyclopedia would, mm. would probably be the, the main place you'd go to get, get good information good yeah. sources of truth so to yeah. speak it, w- it was considered much more, more more credible and so yeah I think that's actually quite relevant for this for this day and age because now we have well not just a range of books but we have this so much information actually a total total overload of information through the online uh, medium that it's it's you can almost have some sympathy for people to think where can we actually find what yeah. is truth yeah what is Biblical truth. What what is spiritual truth? Is there really one true source of Does truth? Does truth actually exist? That's right. That's right. Mm. And uh, I want to I want to take us to, to 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 the scriptures, particularly to 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 Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, it's interesting. People will quote Jesus saying all sorts of things, uh, and Jesus did say a lot of things, and we have it recorded for us in Scripture. But there are some things of Scripture that uh, well, there are some things that Jesus said that we sometimes don't. Either maybe not quite aware, or or may not want to take time to pause to be aware, Gary. Mm. And I and I think particularly, and this is the first passage I want to I'll share: Matthew chapter twenty-four. Jesus is speaking here in Matthew chapter twenty-four. Uh, the, the context here is about the fact that he's just told his disciples that the te- that the temple, a magnificent temple in Jerusalem, not one stone is going to be left upon another. Uh, and then the disciples uh, turn to Jesus and they say, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Mm. And then Jesus proceeds to answer that, that question. It's actually kind of like a double question. Yeah. Um, and he begins to answer to, to give all the signs of what's going to take place before his second coming, before the end of the world. The first thing that Jesus says, the first thing, uh, Gary, is fascinating. Matthew 24 Verse 4, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no one deceive you. Yeah. Now, if I was Jesus, I, I don't think I'd be saying that first of all at all. I'd, I'd be probably saying to my disciples, saying, well, listen, guys, um, you need to understand, first of all, th- this is going to take place. Look out for this first. And that, But Jesus, it's, it's quite startling. It, right from the outset says, take heed, watch out, beware, uh, be alert, however you want to kind of uh, word that, that no one deceives you. And this, we're going to dig in a lot more to this one tomorrow. But, you know, I think you raise an excellent point here because we're living in a world today where deception has, has come into an art form. Mm. 
Exactly right. And so if if there is, so here's at least for this point, what we need to see is, Gary, if there is a warning about deception, that indicates that there has to be truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just as there is deception, there, there is truth. Just as there is then this warning of falsehood, that means that there is truth. Otherwise, yeah. Yeah. why even warn about it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the thing here. Now, let's go across to um, some other statements of Jesus. Very, very helpful, actually, Gary, for us here. Very, very helpful, particularly because people uh, in this in this day and age, and they'll say, "Oh, look, you know, there's lots of ways, there's lots of paths," and Jesus was so accepting and all this kind of thing. Well, let's let's just be a little bit more. Uh, thorough and careful in how we quote Jesus. In other words, it's so important that we actually read all of what Jesus exactly says because right. I, I'm exactly really right. conscious that today what's occurring is there's a there's a lot of what I call cherry picking happening out there. What we're That's actually right. doing is getting words from Christ that Christ actually said, but there is so much that Christ said that's actually being ignored totally. That's right. For example, uh, Matthew chapter 7 uh and, and and we 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 would know these words, but notice this in in uh, connection with what we are t- talking about here. The question that you just asked, Gary, Matthew chapter seven verse seven, Jesus said, "Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you." Uh, an imperative here, a uh, 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 direction from Jesus that we have to seek in order to find yeah. um, truth. There is truth. We, we're going to. Unpack that a little bit further, uh, not only today, but even as the week goes on, especially. But we have to actually have to seek for it. So it's not just going to, you know, just, just, just pop out. It actually requires some effort. And a little bit further on, same chapter. Uh, this is, this is that same section where Jesus speaks. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Significant words here. Jesus says, Enter in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are there which go in there. Because straight or narrow is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there are that find it. Mm. Whoa. Jesus is clearly pointing out here that there are actually only, well, there are only two ways. Yeah. One, only one is right and the other one is wrong. There isn't a, a multiple series of paths. This whole idea of pluralistic approaches is completely against what the Bible indicates and clearly what Jesus is uh, indicating here. He's saying there is only one of two ways, uh, the right way or the wrong way. In other words, that's not very politically correct either. Exactly. Many paths one heaven yeah. is actually unknown in the scriptures. It, Absolutely. It doesn't happen within the scriptures. What scripture is saying here is that, hey, there's going to be two ways. There's actually a broad way and it says multitudes are actually... But you're right, and narrow narrows way, and few are going to find yeah, it. Yeah. But it is so politically incorrect to say it that in reality we stay quiet on it and we don't say it. And and there's, that, that's not only wrong, Gary. It's plain dangerous uh, because. It, Eternity, uh, people's eternities at stake here. If we, if we don't understand this fact that there is only one right way, we'll be eternally lost. That's 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 really what yeah. what, what the Bible yeah. is pointing out. Uh, Jesus then goes on. Very next words, verse fifteen, Matthew seven fifteen, uh, and then we'll, we'll we'll look at this a little bit more. But notice these words. Jesus says, "Beware of false prophets." Now. The fact that he's saying false prophets means, well, there are some true prophets. It means that there are, there is truth there, but there are also false uh, prophets, fo- people sharing false truth. Uh, let me read on. Uh, 
Verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Jesus says, do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. And then he goes on and says at the end, verse 20 of this little section, Wherefore, by their fruits you will know them. Mm. Mm. Truth and error are not always clearly evident. And one of the things I would say about that, it's so important to actually identify fruit. You know, sometimes uh, we, we struggle to identify um, which way is this person going. But, you know, Christ is talking about fruit. Fruit is only ever evident on a mature tree. Mm. You know, there are sometimes a person is saying something, and I am not sure, is this truth or is this error? There's an important principle that one of my mentors once once gave to me. He said, Gary, one of the things you have to be so conscious of is that on a, on a mature tree you get fruit. Sometimes in order to be able to identify truth from error, you actually have to allow the fruit to actually fully mature because then it becomes very clear what uh, type of tree that actually is. That's exactly right. And so... Just a little bit earlier, Jesus said, seek. In other words, it requires searching, it requires effort, and here he says it requires time for truth for truth to be discovered. Um, you see, in this whole context, Gary, it's just fascinating to consider a couple of things. Um, the devils, the devil has a couple of main methods of attack, really. Mm. Two, two, two methods of operating. Force and deception. Now, force really... Really hasn't worked, you know. That that that's where he's tried to, you know, silence people. Used used powers to try to oppress people. To and you get the martyrs coming. Exactly right. Yes, yes. Exactly right. And so he moves to a more subtle method, which is deception. Yeah. And uh, and so what we find there is that that is a far more effective method as far as it's concerned, because deception is where the truth. Sorry, or we could say the error or the false way looks like the truth. Mm. That's why people can sort of say, well, there are lots of ways because that one looks right too. Mm. And that path looks right too. And that one sounds right too. Yeah. And it's, 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 it, it, it seems to people like this is, this is okay. This is fine. Uh, they, they look at it. They may hear it. They, and, and that's where we cannot ultimately base it on senses, Gary. It has to be based on the word of God to ultimately define truth for us. And that's what we will find. Um, because we cannot trust, uh, what necessarily what we see. No, notice, Gary, what the Bible says about religious life in our day. Uh, very important passage in the book of, uh, Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter three, uh, verses one onwards. Second Timothy chapter 3, the Bible says, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Not a nice list here, Gary. No. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, uh, f- goes on fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, uh, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And then notice this, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. 
from such, the Bible says, from such turn away. People are going to have a form of godliness. In other words, a form of godliness. They will look godly. It will look religious. It will appear spiritual uh, to, 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 to the outside. That's actually a really frightening picture yeah, of is. religion for our day because Paul is actually speaking about our day. Mm. And when Paul starts to describe it in this way, you've got to sort of say, hey, uh, Paul, um, this, is, this is terribly uh, unsettling. This is frightening. This is not something that the church needs to look forward to but the reality is he says that in the last days this is what it's going to I, I particularly appreciate verse 7 as well yes. because uh, do you want to just read to us verse 7 I think it's powerful verse 7 Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 7 ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth mm. so it stresses there that uh, there is the truth. It, yeah. It's 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 emphasized, Gary. Yeah. That, yes, yeah. there is there 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 is a specific truth. Absolutely, uh, and so this really gives us a picture of uh, religious life in our day. Whole heap of uh, ideas out there, uh, whole heap of uh, concepts, um, but it's missing the missing. Miss, what Paul's missing doing is actually describing what we would call classic pluralism today, and this belief yes. that there's many paths to one heaven. It doesn't matter too much anymore because you know what you believe, because we're all going to end up in the same place. And what Paul's actually saying here is, it ain't so. No, no. And then we come to John chapter fourteen, yeah, and verse six, where Jesus. Clearly stated, he said, I am the way, the truth, truth, and the life. Mm. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's very clear, explicit, and exclusive, we can say, Gary. Uh, There there is no multiple ways. There are no multiple methods. Uh, Jesus says that he's the only way. He is the truth. So, uh, with that, we also discover that Jesus himself is the embodiment of truth. Um, and, uh, and, and when we come over to, well, just a couple of chapters later, John 16, uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he promises that the Holy Spirit is going to come after Jesus departed, uh, would depart. And lead you into all truth. Notice this. So Jesus says that he is the truth, and then after his physical departure, that the Spirit is going to come and guide believers. Now, that's a promise too. That's yeah, encouraging yeah, too, yeah. Gary. He's going to guide people into into all I truth. I think the thing that I find important here, Joseph, is that so many times I've heard people say, truth, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And indeed he is. Jesus is the, is the very core of of truth but the holy spirit has been given to lead us into all truth it's actually talking about truth as a propositional form there it's actually uh, uh, taking us uh, it's expanding on what truth actually is apparently picture jesus while he is the core it, this this picture of the holy spirit leads us into other areas. Well, it does, Gary, because in chapter 17, interesting, this is all in John, John's Gospel, John chapter 17 and verse 17, Jesus uh, prays this prayer to the Father, says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Mm. So, yes, Jesus said that he is the truth. Uh, he's at the heart of it. But uh, like you're saying, there's propositional truth, which is conveyed in in the word of God, in, yeah. in, in the scriptures, in, in the Bible, Gary. Yeah. Truth is found in Jesus as defined in the Bible. 
And what we find about the Bible, of course, is that the Bible has actually been supernaturally revealed to us because there's so much fake news in the world out there today, but we don't know what is truth and what is error. Whereas within the scriptures, what you've actually got is a a scenario where you've got the, the Holy Spirit has inspired the prophets and preachers and teachers to write, and then as a result of that, what you get is is truth that has been supernaturally revealed. Now, at that point, I start to say, hey, uh, this is something that can be relied on. Exactly right, Gary. And uh, when we talk about that truth, and, and, and you know, there's a scrap scripture a bit further on. Well, first, sorry, Second Timothy chapter four, Paul. Gary, this is the great apostle Paul speaking to Timothy, a young minister, and he he makes a, a very important uh, statements here to, to Paul. He, he's charging here young Timothy as a as a minister. He says, "I charge you, Second Timothy chapter four, verse one. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word." Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, encourage with all suffering and doctrine. Now, here's an important word, Gary. Uh, verse 3. For the time will come when it says they will not endure sound doctrine. In other words, there is actually a place from the scriptures for appropriate Doctrine, that's teaching, a, if you like, teaching being a better word. Today. That's right. That's yeah. right. The teaching, exactly. So teaching and the teaching. So Jesus said there is only one way. There isn't a multiple ways. Uh, Jesus says uh, He's the way. He's the embodiment of it. He promises that His Spirit is going to guide people into all this truth, and that truth is as it's defined in Scripture in these doctrines, in these in these teachings that we can we can study, we can seek and discover from God's Word, and and we find these warnings that that tell us yes, it is there. Don't deviate from it. Seek them and and hold on to those. And this those link teachings. actually, Joseph, is actually so important because I'm conscious that in my um, sharing with people, sometimes people have not been able to get this linkage that does actually occur. And what I've said to them is this. I've said, hey, look, from time to time, people go and see a counsellor, you know, and I I point to Jesus and I say, hey, who is Jesus? He's the almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He's the great counsellor that God has given to human race. But, you know, every time that an individual goes to see a counsellor, do you know what the counsellor does? He says, hey, why don't you try this? Mm. He might challenge him, challenge you in various areas. And, you know, that's exactly what the scriptures do. Mm. And so to me, I've said to people, say, what we've actually got here is within the scriptures, we've got Jesus Christ is presented as the mighty counsellor to humanity, but then the counsellor himself actually gives counsel to the whole world. That's right. You know, a person who goes to a counsellor and then ignores all that the counsellor says would be classified as a fool, yeah. would they not? No, they would. They've wasted time and... Uh, Energy profited, and a lot of money. Pro- profited nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely right. And so, yeah, we, we find here that, it, it, that there is truth. There is only one source of truth uh, embodied in Jesus, spelt out in the scriptures, in, in the word of God. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this is, this is an important message in this day and age uh, when we are, when there are so many voices, when there are so many 
concepts out there, Gary, that, that say that there are lots of paths and as long as we kind of love each other or whatever else or are kind to each other, it doesn't really matter what we yeah. may believe yeah. or not believe. And that's, yeah. that's dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's powerful. Joseph, look, let's take a, take a break there. Really appreciate. This is Christian Badal and uh, he's singing, Find Us Faithful. I love the words of this song. Please enjoy. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road And those who've gone before us line the way Cheering on the faithful Encouraging the weary Their lives a stirring testament To God's sustaining grace Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us run the race not only for the prize But as those who've gone before us Let us leave to those behind us The heritage of faithfulness Passed on through godly the foot 
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor Joseph Matichek and Joseph, the Executive Secretary of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And our big question for today, can truth exist in the age of fake news? Joseph, bring it together for us because I'm conscious that our time is starting to run away from us. Please share. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Look, uh, what we've discovered essentially is uh, this concept of religious pluralism uh, is a foreign idea to the Bible, Gary. Uh, Jesus makes it very clear that there is only one way, uh, that he is that way, and that uh, the truth and uh, by truth – Teachings of Scripture uh, are there, and they are able to be to be discovered. And Gary, this is, this is an important point. You know, uh, we have uh, people who have discovered this um, down through the ages, who, who've, who've given their lives for it. Gary, uh, and again, the Apostle Paul, for example, he, uh, as someone once said, um, he was. He was Christ's ambassador, not 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 his press secretary. He, uh, truth was something for him to be declared, not negotiated. Mm. Uh, so this is this is a very very important point. It, it, he said, he, Paul said, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." Uh, he suffered uh, for for truth, and uh, so it brings me to just, just one scripture that I want to leave with us, Gary. Um, it's found in Second Thessalonians. Again, it's the Apostle Paul who writes this. Second Thessalonians chapter two. And uh, he's writing about what's going to happen, you know, at the end of time, essentially here, Second uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter two, and uh, and verse nine and ten. Just to get a bit of the context here, he says, "Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, mm-hmm. and with all deceivableness." There's that idea that we touched yeah. on at the beginning: yeah. deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Here is ultimately the the, the, the thing that distinguishes between the saved and the lost, Gary, and it, it's those uh, who are lost are those who didn't receive the love of the truth. No. The love of the truth. The fact that it says they receive the love of the truth, it sounds like it's actually what something. What does that actually mean? Because that, I think, is an incredibly significant uh, text that you've actually shared with us. That, that is one that is core to this entire subject. What does it mean to love the truth? Well, it, it, it means that we, we come to fall in love with the one who is the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And choose to follow him, uh, no matter what, like like uh, the, the apostles did, yeah, who yeah. who who were with Jesus and who who all gave their lives for for their master, uh, the apostle Paul, and countless women and men down through the centuries who fall in love with Jesus, fall in love with the truths that that he expressed and taught and that he pointed to in the in the bible in the word of god and have stood up for that truth and shared that truth uh, that's that's what it is to love because that's what has ge- what gave them meaning and purpose purpose to life in other words there's a there, what you're doing is you're taking the whole counsel of truth you uh, of scripture you're not cherry picking because we're living in a day and age today where we are cherry picking in an amazingly mm. uh, in an amazing 
same way. I know on one particular occasion, I can remember going to uh, to a conference. It wasn't actually put on by uh, by my church. It was put on by another church, and uh, I had to say amen, amen, amen to all that the speaker was actually saying. What he said was this: He said, uh, "Guys," and he was actually speaking to a room full of pastors. Again, not of my particular uh, religion. And uh, what he said was this: He said, uh, "Guys," he said, "You've got to stop this issue of cherry picking." He said, "Most of you are quite happy to speak about social justice today mm. from your pulpits because it's something that is actually very trendy to do so." And then he said this. He said, I want to tell you something, though. He said, the scriptures have as much to say about morality as it does social justice. But you won't mention morality. Why not? And uh, I had to mm. I had to say amen when he actually said that because to me what he had actually picked up on what I understood to be the whole counsel of uh, of scripture yes scripture speaks of biblical justice mm. but it also speaks of other issues and you know to me there's a uh, this challenge of uh, of cherry picking in the uh, early third millennium i think is a huge one to us it is it is gary and uh, it reminds me and you'd be well aware of that um, the analogy that's used of you know blind men trying to describe what an elephant looks like you know that yeah, one yeah 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 i mean it's so relevant to, the, to this issue because you know in, in that in that analogy or the illustration that's used you know one blind man says oh an elephant is He's round because he felt just the leg of the elephant, and it's yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like a. Ra- and no one said, no, 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 no. And the elephant, it's 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 a rope, you know, because he felt felt the tail of it, and, and so on. And it, yeah. um, essentially, you know, people kind of think, well, there you go. See, there are true. We all see things differently. That's exactly right. Yeah. But but the the fact there is there is only one elephant. There is Gary. one. That's and that to me is the key thing here. I mean, what people overlook is that while blind people. Uh, may not be able to see the whole elephant. Yep. Elephant, the truth, does exist. Does exist, yeah. Yep. And so I, I want to appeal to, to people listening, Gary, that uh, th- this passage here, Second Thessalonians 2, uh, it, it warns us very much that, that at the end people are going to be lost, they're going to perish, it says, because they didn't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Yeah. Uh, there, there it says, receive the love of the truth, Gary. That indicates that actually you can receive it, It's a gift. Yeah, and so I would appeal to people: uh, Is it your desire to know the truth, no matter the cost? And the thing that I love about knowing the truth is that what John again says is that the truth will make you free. free. Yes, and I love that because what it means—it's almost an equation. It means more truth equals more freedom. If I discover the truth of the gospel, I receive the blessing of. Peace. That's right, yeah. If I receive an understanding of what the scripture is saying about death, I receive freedom from fear. If I receive the truth of the Sabbath, dare I say it, yes. I have freedom to rest. Yep. You see, more truth equals more freedom. I love the way the scriptures actually present this. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it is. Beautiful. It's liberating, and uh, and that's why we're privileged to be able to discover that and I would I would just want to hope and pray that we would all want to continue to seek uh, the fullness of the truth because it's for our benefit why don't you pray for us Joseph let's do that let's do that right now Uh, oh dear God we want to thank you that you are so willing um, for people to know you to discover you that uh, you have made yourself known uh, through through the scriptures through the Bible and ultimately through sending your son Jesus who came to reveal 
you to us. Uh, thank you that uh, we can get to know you, that we can discover the, the truth not, a, not only about who you are and what you are like, but the truth about what you want us to do and understand and how you want us to live. And Lord, thank you that we know that there is only one way, but we can seek and discover that way. That is That way is possible. It's an invitation that's there for all of us. And I pray, Lord, that every person who's tuned in, everyone that might be listening right now, uh, that you will, uh, you will give them desire to have a love for the truth and uh, that that truth indeed will set them free as you promise is my humble prayer for everyone in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Joseph Matichik on uh, on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow as we ask, is deception also part of end-time religion? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy heritage and no more night.